The Aaron Arnett Show. They thought they could keep him locked up in radio purgatory. But they were wrong. And now he's back for one final stand. With the most intelligent expression of free speech, still legal in all 50 states. Just for now. Here he is, the future of radio, Aaron Arnett. It is Thursday. Once again. And it is time to begin the end of the week and get ready for the weekend. I know you're almost there. You're, you're almost there. Only a good couple days to go, and you will be there at the weekend. But in the meantime, I'm your host, the future of radio, Aaron Arnett. Happy to be with you via the interwebs, in your headphones, in your car, and hopefully shared with your educated friends or those lacking education. And that's what this is about. This is about infotainment. That means it's educational and entertaining. Always remember, you can share the show on Facebook. Join our email list. It's at AaronArnett.show. As always, you can send in your feedback on Twitter. Check out the live video of the Monday show on Instagram. Both places, Twitter and Instagram. It's at AaronArnettShow on Monday. We recorded the show, uh, did the Monday show. Kind of late blooming getting to that one. And we did it live on Instagram because it wasn't happening until Monday. So you could see the whole thing live as I do it with breaks and all. You can see what happens during those during those breaks. Because the thing is, we're doing this in a, in a form to where it can be put on the radio and really be the future of radio. Because this is about educating the masses. And speaking of the uneducated, what does your social media look like? A couple years ago, I had to do a, uh, a sort of liquidation of my, my social media. I'm not sure if that's the right word to use there. But just a, a, you know, a spring cleaning kind of thing. Clearing out, clearing out what's going on in the social media. And it was, it was during the 2016 election, which you know how that was on your social media account. And maybe a little bit into the midterms of 2018 as well. I had to clean out who I was following on Facebook, on Twitter, whatnot. And the reason is simple. I got tired of seeing the arguing all the time and all the posts about politics. I was just tired of it. <clears throat> and does it seem weird to you that I did that? And that's okay. Here's the thing. I don't like to see the uneducated argue. It's sad, really. Uh, because on my feed, I had, and still have to a degree, people from both sides arguing at each other about how mean those tweets were. And it's really crazy to think what a simpler time we lived in, folks, when when it was tweets that we were arguing about. And you know what's crazy? Look how the Democrats manipulated this thing and how and how they did it. It's strange. Really, it is. Look, we went from a president who honestly, he didn't do too, anything too crazy. I mean, look at the economy. It was great under President Trump. And the only thing that really ruined that was Prime Minister Fauci. And uh, the Democrats were upset because he said things on Twitter, that is, he being Donald Trump, the president at the time, said things on Twitter that may have hurt some people's feelings. Boo-hoo. Seriously. Now, here's the thing you need to know. Democrats seem nice in public, but they ruin real people's lives by their policies. And truth be told, 
It's Democrats from the beginning who were enslaving people. And it's Democrats who have still been enslaving minorities to this day by dangling this race bait over their heads every election cycle for years. But that's beyond the point. We went from Mr. Mean Tweeter, orange hair, to this hunk of junk. And you know why they picked Biden to be their candidate? Because they played the game of hating the mean tweeter. And so in response, they couldn't put in another mean tweeter or someone who would ever be accused of being a mean tweeter. So instead, they they picked the guy who literally said that if black people didn't vote for him, then you ain't black. He said that. Look it up. Google it. Joe Biden, you ain't black. He said that. Can you imagine if Donald Trump had said that? And why'd they pick him? Because they knew that he wasn't even capable of knowing how to sign into Twitter. That's why they picked him. They didn't want the controversy. And you know what I have to say? Shame on them. Shame on Joe Biden's family for subjecting him to this public abuse. But all that is beside the point, my friend. What does your social media look like? Like I told you earlier, a few years back, I cleaned mine out, but I didn't get rid of everyone. If all a person posted about was politics, then I stopped following them. We're still friends, but I stopped following because it didn't do anything for me. Right or left, didn't matter. Republican, Democrat, liberal, progressive, conservative, in between, didn't matter. If they were posting stuff every day, I, I stopped following them. But some of them fell through the cracks. And I don't want to start every show by just being angry about something I saw on Facebook or whatever. But the points that were made in this post that I saw earlier need to be refuted. Because I know that this is what they are teaching in the universities. Now, I mention this every so often. But I have a college degree in liberal studies. Name anyone else on the radio combating the progressive movement who has a college degree in it. I've been behind enemy lines. You don't want to see the things that I've seen. It ain't pretty. So I saw this post earlier, posted by one of my friends who fell through the cracks on social media, who didn't used to always post about politics and, and such things, but they've, they've since uh, woke themselves. Anyway, what they were doing is they were retweeting this tweet that's actually old. It's from uh, July 11th from an Austin Kocher, Kocher maybe, PhD. His profile says, I study America's immigration enforcement system, assistant professor at Track Reports, Syracuse U graduate, uh, a graduate of OSU geography. I didn't click on that. I think that's Oregon State University geography. Veteran, thank you for your service, although... And he says, views are my own. And here's the tweet. Here's what he says. He says, oops, I think you actually said the thing out loud. And then he quotes a tweet from PragerU. The educated listener of the show probably knows who PragerU is. If you don't, it's kind of a conservative think tank led by Dennis Prager, talk show host himself, I believe. And they do these uh, informational kind of educational videos about what it is that this progressive ideology is saying and what, what a lot of the truth uh, is to combat it. And this is what Prager you tweeted. They say, and I quote, young people are, are enamored with quote, anti-racist and quote rhetoric because they think they're fighting racist systems in America. The truth 
is that they are fighting America itself and the very values the country was founded on. And that was on July 12th by PragerU. Now, this is an old tweet, but it was posted by somebody I follow online yesterday. I've studied with these people. I know their ways. And I'm going to explain to you why Austin Kotcher, Kocher, I don't know, though a veteran who apparently served our country and now is acting like a traitor. Clearly, as you would or should agree, racism is bad. But there's no way to deny that that's part of our history. Slavery was a part of our history, but that's where it is. History. People who join the BLM movement or critical race theory, or what really should be referred to as critical race theology, are happy to note that it was America where slavery began, though that's a stupid thing to say, slavery's already always existed. But they seem to forget who stopped slavery. America. We fought a war over it. Yes, I know things happen in other parts of the world, but the same, the same country that they say racism, blah, 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 we fought a war to defeat slavery. And the side of anti-slavery in that civil war won. And it still exists as a nation, the United States of America. Number two, I want to talk about the part of fighting America itself and the very values the country was founded on. We need to talk about this because it's very important. BLMers and adherents to the critical race theology don't believe in America. I've told you this before. But what does that mean? Listen, America was founded on the fact like we've spoken about, that all men were created equal. It's a truth that we hold to be self-evident. That means it's obvious. That means that it was given to us by our God, that all men were created equal. Now, did we achieve that sentiment in America? The answer is no. Not until the civil rights movement. But that was over 50 years ago. And I've already, I've already told you that there's a reason that they don't believe and they don't talk about the civil rights movement unless they're talking about the LGBTQ plus minus divided by community. There's a reason they don't talk about that. Because Dr. Martin Luther King talked about personal responsibility. And they don't take those things. We'll get to that further. But we've had over 50 years of a level playing field. And has it been perfect? No. But it has been. And what does that mean? That means that if you're black, brown, Asian, anything, you have the equal protection under the law to pursue anything you want. And it's been that way since the 60s. Now, if these so-called anti-racists want to get rid of America's founding ideas, then what does that mean? It means that they don't want equality for all. They don't believe that all men were created equal. In the theology of critical race theory, they preach that in the world there are two kinds of people. The oppressed and the oppressors. Guess who the oppressors are? The whites. If they're in control, guess who they're going to shove down in the gutter first? They don't want equality for all. What they want is payback. They want reparations. They want to give land back to the natives. I'm a Native American. 
I can speak on the issue. Let's talk about equality. What do they want? They don't want equality. They want equity. That means you get rewarded for being a deadbeat. Now, they would say it means that women who have children get more time off. We can talk about that. By the way, these these very people, these Democrats in control, just decided to take that out of the budget bill, out of the infrastructure bill. Extra time off for women who have kids. Oh, they're just such great people. They care about women so much. That's why they approve of letting doctors rip out babies from their wombs. Because they care about women. Now, if you want to give women more time off after they have a kid, I'm fine with that. Let's make new laws in our current system to do that. Let's do that legally. But this also means to them, all their ideas, and what it really means, because it's not about women, it means that everyone will get a living wage without working. But someone's got to work to pay for it, and it'll clearly be you. Not them. Reparations. I don't care if your family owned slaves or not. No one living today deserves anything, whether it be payment for sufferings to their ancestors or punishments for the crimes of their ancestors. Living today. Are you black, white, brown, Asian, and a male? Be a good husband. You don't need reparations. Be a good husband. Go to work. Take care of your wife. Don't fight for her to have a ton of time off for popping out a kid. How about you work a job that pays so much that she doesn't have to go to work and instead be with your child? Doing an even more important job, raising a child. Your situation that you're in may not be your fault, but your reaction is 100% your fault. Did you get a girl pregnant? Let me be clear. Let me be perfectly clear. You are a loser. But you don't have to stay that way. God loves you. God loves her. God loves the child. Democrats don't love your child. Democrats don't love you. Democrats don't love the woman you're with. They only care about them. They only care about power. Be a good example. And be a story of how good God is. Now about giving the land back to the natives. I'm a Native American. I'm Cherokee. You know why I am the way that I am now? Why I live in the world that I live in now? Because my ancestors realized, hey, (laughs) we don't know how to live off the land anymore. And you know what? That might have been the white man's fault. In fact, it, it was. But guess what? If we were to give back all the land of the U.S. back to the tribes to be reservations or to just to be their land, whatever. What would happen? We don't know how to live off the land anymore. We don't have our own resources. We don't know how to, we don't have our own pipes to lay or cable to lay. We don't have our own power plants. What will happen? War, famine, death. Is that what you want? Democrats don't care about you. You know that these people also want to break up the republic. In other words, break up the states into other little countries or whatever. You know what happens when that takes place? It sucks. All of a sudden, the energy-producing states say, hey, there's no more federal regulation here, so uh, say hello to tariffs on your electricity and gas. 
Then the food producing states like California say, well, well, Texas and Georgia, and but mainly Texas, we don't agree with your abortion law. So we're not going to be selling any of our products to you. We're going to be selling them to China. At least they only kill people who are, you know, already born. Is that what you want, anti-racist? We, you and I, you and I are the actual anti-racists. If you're listening to this program, you're an anti-racist, but a real anti-racist. If you're like me, you want every white person, every black person, every Middle Eastern person, every European and every Asian and everything else to have the same opportunity for success. That's what America is. And that's the America that they want to destroy. The Future of Radio. Once again, your host, the Future of Radio, Aaron Arnett. So appreciative of you sticking around with us as we do this thing they call the Aaron Arnett Show. I'm your host. As, as always, reminding you, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. And one of the coolest things that you can do is actually sign up for the emails on the website. Why? Well, you see, sometimes in some places, in some almost communist places, they decide that, uh, you know, these big tech companies decide they don't want to distribute things, distribute things anymore. And so someday Jack Dorsey or Mark Zuckerberg might get together after a nice warm kiss and, <laughs> and, and decide that they don't, they don't want this show to be distributed anymore uh, by Facebook or anything like that. And so if you sign up for the email updates, then every time that we post a new show and any time that I write a blog, I've been thinking about doing some more writing coming up, then you will get a, a update about that sent straight to your email address. You're not going to have to rely on Instagram or on, on Twitter or any of those things. Uh, you won't even have to rely on Apple or, or Spotify because you'll get an email and you can listen directly off of the website as well. Easiest way to listen at the moment is is certainly through your your podcast catchers like like Apple or uh, using, uh, you know, I saw where that we're on Overcast now. You can search for the show there. If you just search for um, the Aaron Arnett Show or just go to AaronArnett.show, you get all the links to all that stuff there. Before we hit the what is for me the bottom of the hour break. I, I just want to mention that the reason that I bring all this up is that not it's not that we're we're against these people. We're not against the, the the people themselves who are promoting critical race theory. As I remind you on every show, this this isn't about politics. <laughs> Even though we're <laughs> that seems uh, I don't know the right term, oxymoron isn't it. I should add that to the tax write-off portion of the show. But we're not, a, we're not against the people. What we're against is the ideas. Because we need to combat these ideas that are, one, anti-American, and two, more importantly, anti-God. That's why I call it critical race theology. Because when you get down to it, it's not so much about the racism and all that. Somehow, in some way... It all comes down to the fact that they don't like the family as God ordained it. They always find a way. It's 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 strange, really, how these how these kooky people they find a way to align themselves against God. And it's the same thing with with CRT. And that's that's why these things irk me so much. Is that it's really about being against God. Aaron Arnett. The oh. 
Aaron Arnett Show. There it is. Well, it's live. That's what happens. We record this live. I don't edit myself to make myself sound better. What you get is what you get, people. And uh, it's, it's finally the portion of the week where we can talk about some news because... I've just been in a... I've been in a rage this week. So I have a headline for you. And I wrote it myself, but then I'll read you the actual headline. Biden. Actually doing something better than Donald Trump. And what is that thing? Well, let's read the real headline. Biden's early presidency getaways so far outpaced Trump's... Wait, what does that mean? That means that our dear Fuhrer, President Joe Biden, has taken more vacations than Donald Trump at this point. He's doing something better. Good job, Biden. Good job, buddy. You're you're doing good. I hope someone in your family is happy that their grandpa is out there on stage talking about computers making announcements and all that. This is from CNN. It says, President Joe Biden decamped to Wilmington on Friday. This was last Friday. Escaping the White... Well, of course, it wasn't tomorrow. That wouldn't make sense. Escaping the White House, he's likened to a, quote, gilded cage for a weekend at his Delaware home. It's yet another weekend getaway from Washington as the president has spent a noteworthy portion of his first year in office at one of his two Delaware homes. He's such... He's, he's a guy of the people. Only two homes. Or at Camp David, working remotely. Now, so far, in his first 276 days in office... Now, remember, this is from uh, your progressive news outlet, the cable news network, CNN. Joe Biden, been in office for 276 days. And this, according to CNN, is it's truly remarkable. He spent 108 of those 276 days in one of his Delaware homes or in Camp David. Now, that includes, says CNN, partial days like Friday, where he spent the day at the White House and departed in the evening. Well, then, if if this is about the evening, why are you putting that in here? That doesn't seem right to count. 69 of those 108 days from Washington were spent in his home in Wilmington, spread over 23, 23 trips. You know how much it costs to to ride in a helicopter 23 times? Seven days at Rehoboth Beach. I should have really read that before I read this on here. Uh, his Delaware, it's his beach house, over two visits. And 32 days at Camp David, over 10 visits. Now, I have a question for you. How many vacation days do you get a year? Because I would love to know. If there's any other job like this in the United States that pays $400,000 a year annual salary and you get 108 days off and we're not even done with the year yet, who knows how many more days off he's going to have, but that's crazy. And what's remarkable about this, I mean, you, you, you hear Biden say, build back better. But little did we know that that includes 108 out of 276 days vacation. That means he's, he's only built back better for like 160 something days out of 276. He might as well have just not gotten into office until like July. 
He could have done the same amount of work that he's done now. You know he needs the naps. CNN says here that that puts Biden ahead of the pace. He's winning. He's doing something. He's beating Trump at one thing, naps. That puts Biden ahead of the pace set by former President Donald Trump, who had spent less time at his Florida and New Jersey getaways at the same point in his presidency than Biden has spent in Delaware. Congratulations, Mr. Biden. While most presidents have prioritized taking time away from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, by the way, for you listeners in California, that's the address of the White House, this is the most time a president has spent away from the White House on personal travel at this point in the presidency in recent history. Joe Biden, Joseph Robinette, just wussiest middle name in the history of presidents, Biden. Hussein was better. Listen, we were we were only seven years from 9-11, the worst terrorist attack in American history, possibly the world, done by by Islamist terrorists, but we elected a guy with the middle name Hussein. That was better than Robinette. He's doing a great job. He's doing a great job. He's doing the best he can. By comparison, at this point in his presidency says CNN. Trump had spent all or part of 61 days at either his Mar-a-Lago or Bedminster properties in Florida and New Jersey, respectively, during the same period of time, plus all or part of nine days over four visits to Camp David. Joseph Robinette Biden, J. Robinette Biden, our president, has built back, he's building back better. He has doubled, nearly doubled, Who knows? It's been a week at this point. Almost. He's nearly doubled the vacation time taken by President Trump. That's incredible. Now, I just, I don't know what we can do to get him to take more vacation time so he can triple the amount of vacation time that Trump took in office. I, we need to start a Build Back Better Robinette Biden, J. Robinette Biden campaign that we should try to get Joseph R. Robinette, Mr. Robinette himself, Biden, to take a vacation for the next three years as well. And so he needs the rest, you guys. He needs the rest. Don't you feel bad for him? He's talking to computers now. But in all fairness, I will tell you the data on the rest of the president's well, not the rest, but the most recent ones, so that you don't think I'm just picking on Robinette. At the same time in his presidency, so we're talking about 276 days in, Barack Obama, who had school-aged children during his term, had taken three vacation trips spanning all or part of 15 days. Now, I don't know about you. I was not an Obama voter. But I am actually quite impressed that the guy only took 15 days vacation in 276 days in office because his pal Robinette has already taken 108. Now, clearly, Robinette did not rub off on Barack Obama when it comes to how much vacation time to take because the former president, Barack Obama, really only took two weeks vacation, which is like many of you get every year. He only had taken two weeks by this point in his presidency. George W. Bush, what did he do? Per records, 
He had taken 70, no, sorry, seven trips to Texas, spending 27 full or partial days at his family's ranch in the first few months of his presidency, uh, and uh, 19 visits to Camp David over 57 days. So that's a total of 84 days by former President George W. Bush. So, I mean, if you really want to look at it, out of the last four presidents, J. Robinette Biden has beat them all. He's building back better. As Uncle Cy Robinson once said, work hard, play hard, nap hard. And J. Robinette is really doing it. He's beating, he's beat Donald Trump. But not only that, he beat two predecessors back. He beat Barry Obama. And he beat George W. Bush. He's leading the pack. He's number one out of the last four presidents in vacation time taken. And so I just hope that you'll help me in congratulating President J. Robinette Biden in in his achievement so far in his first 200, well now 80 some days of his presidency. He's at the top of the list. Number one, breaking records, most vacation time taken in this amount of time in quite a while. Okay, shifting gears now, uh, as you know, the or may or may not know, the Texan, Texas abortion law has kind of been fast-tracked to the Supreme Court. We knew that this would happen, didn't necessarily think that it would, it would head there so quickly, but nevertheless, it's happening. And uh, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, or who I like to call Stupid Mayor, uh, according this from The Hill has said, has called the high court's refusal to once again block Texas's six-week abortion law, quote, catastrophic. Now, in case you uh, didn't know this, according to, once again, The Hill, they say that the court agreed to review Senate Bill 8, that's the Texas bill, uh, on an expedited basis. They're doing things faster than the, the U.S. Postal Service. In response to legal challenges from the Justice Department and abortion providers on November 1st. So the the Supreme Court is going to review this case November 1st, which is only about four days away. And they're not halting the enforcement of the law. So they're allowing the law to stay in place in Texas uh, in the meantime while they review it anything. But Justice Sonia Stupid-Mayor actually wrote a seven-page opinion in what she said, quote, she cannot capture the totality of the harm in these pages. Quote, but as these excerpts illustrate, the state, empowered by this court's inaction, has so thoroughly chilled the exercise of the right recognized in Roe as to nearly suspend it within its borders and strain access to it in other states, end quote. Sotomayor wrote, quote, The state's gambit has worked. The impact is catastrophic. Now, I need you to understand something. You probably already understand this because you're not an idiot if you're listening to this program. However, when she's saying that the impact is, is catastrophic, let's, let's just do a little thought exercise. What is happening? What is the result of this bill staying in place? Well, first we need to ask ourselves, if this bill didn't exist... What would we have? Well, Democrats believe, you know, okay, we believe this. 
conservatives, Christians, that we were given inalienable, meaning like you can't take these away, rights from God. And and what did we say? That, now, this is written in our document, so that's the ones that we're going to say, but he's given us more than these things. But the document says life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Not sure if I agree with the pursuit of happiness because that's a little wishy-washy to me and a little worldly, but let's just say life and liberty. God has given us those things. Governments are normally the ones who take those things away. Now, if this bill doesn't exist, Democrats believe that the rights that, well, they don't believe in God, but somewhere that they've made up themselves that we have these rights are life. Well, mm, when does life begin really? And that's all, that's the only place you have to go. Because what they believe is that the, the catastrophic thing that's happening with this bill being in place and not being halted while they review it in the Supreme Court, the catastrophic thing that's happening is that babies will continue to grow in wombs. The catastrophic thing for them is that they're not being let. They just, they sit there and they wait and they want, they, they in their own ego, they feast on the blood of infants. Not literally. I don't think. But when it really boils down to it, that's what's happening. And they're disgusted by the fact that they aren't being allowed to kill. And how fitting, because we're almost at Halloween. That they, these people are, are just so... And we have this person. This person's on the high court. She's not the only one who thinks this way there. But, by the way, the Democrats want to put more people like her, more bloodthirsty baby killers like her, on the Supreme Court. Is that what we want? Sotomayor explained that while she agreed with the court's decision to hear the case on an expedited basis, she would have halted the law from being enforced. The justice explained that there are women who became pregnant when SB8 took effect, and as I write these words, some of these women do not know they are pregnant. Again, what is she upset about? That they're not going to be able to kill more babies. The future of radio. The future of radio starts now with Aaron Arnett. What a heated program. I don't want to be so angry every time. Well, I just want to remind you in this portion of the program that we only survive by the help of God and by your support. The way that you can support the program, very simple. We're not on Patreon. We're not on any of those things. Go to AaronArnett.show. And up at the top, you'll see a thing that says Freedom Club. Freedom Club. Maybe we can come up with another name, but that's what we are for now. By clicking there, you can sign up for $5 a month or more if you're generous. Keep us on the air. Help us to keep going. Help us to get better equipment. All that kind of stuff. show, And that's where you can do it. Okay. As we get settled in here on the last segment of the program gonna talk about a couple things one i want to talk about hero company as they should be called in and out burger and i also want to talk about something that's very interesting and i i think that i've mentioned this before but just in case not i want to mention it again something that i've i've noticed and 
You can tell me if I'm wrong, and I actually, if you could find other examples of this in history, I genuinely would like to see them, because it's very interesting to me. Because growing up in the American school system, this is going to sound like a very progressive thing to say, but it's really not. It's just the reality of what it is. Growing up in the school system, at least when I was a kid, I know it's not this way anymore, um, we were taught that America, in every... Uh, step of the way in every conflict in every in every war we ever set foot in that we were the good guys and uh, the bad guys were the other ones <laughs> you know whether it was it was the British or the British again the Indians the Mexicans uh, the South I suppose depending well, I mean where I grew up the South was the bad guy in the in, in when we when we learned and then there was the you know the Koreans and then it was uh, the Vietnamese, and then it was the Russians, and, you know, that whole story. Some people would say that now it's the Chinese. I would, I do agree with that. I hate saying I would. Anyway, the, the point here being that in recent times, I, I don't know if I can say that America is the good guy anymore in a lot of things we've been doing. Look about, look at what just happened in Afghanistan, for example. Now, what I've noticed in the last couple of years is something that I didn't notice before. And this is what I'm saying. Send me examples of it. If you've got it, Aaron Arnett at protonmail.com or on Twitter. I've noticed other world leaders start to appear like they have more sense than our own. Now you have to be careful with this. There's a lot of culture that we don't understand. If you're not a world traveler, and if you don't know the, the languages and you're just reading the um, translated documents or whatever. So you got to be careful with this. But you do have to look look at it. And the thing that, I mean, things have happened in China, other countries. This one is particularly coming from Vladimir Putin, which I don't, I don't know if we can trust him. I don't think he's really ever given us a, uh, a reason to trust him. But I don't know that... Um, let me just read what he says. Okay, so um, it, Vladimir Putin gave gave a, a speech at an event that, over the weekend, I believe, and he was tackling wokeness, and I thought it was very interesting that he was doing it. And here's just some of his highlights. He says the preparedness of the so-called social progressive believe that the bringing uh, the bringing in of a new conscious, a new consciousness to humanity. Something that is more correct. So he's saying it's a bad translation, but he's saying like they believe that they're finally have arrived at what is the correct way of doing things. He says, continues, says, paradoxical as it may seem, this is something we saw in Russia. It happened in our country before and after the 1917 uh, revolution. And he goes on to talk about the Bolsheviks, how they followed the dogmas of Marx and Engels and all that, and how. Um, he says it was very popular across the world. It was supported by many. As we see, it's happening right now. And he says, incidentally, the Marxists were absolutely intolerant of other opinions different from their own. I think that should remind you of something that's happening. And we should see that this is happening in Western countries. And it's with puzzlement that we see practices Russia used to have and that we left behind in the distant uh, past. Very interesting, these things that uh, Putin says. And he goes on and says, sometimes it's even... Uh, so he talks about how Hollywood and, and the cinemas are really pushing this dogma. And he says, in Hollywood, there are leaflets reminding you what you should do in the cinema and in films, how many personalities and actors you've got, what kind of color, what sex, 
And sometimes it's even tighter and stricter than what the Department of Propaganda of the Soviet Communist Party Central Committee did. And the fight against racism, which is a lofty goal, turns into a new culture, cancel culture, and into reverse discrimination, racism on the obverse, and it brings people apart. Whereas the true fighters for civic rights, they were trying to eliminate those differences. This is still Russian President Putin speaking here. And he says, quote, I asked my colleagues to find this quote from Martin Luther King. And he said, quote, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character, end quote. And Putin ends by saying that is a true value. Very interesting, my friends. That's Vladimir Putin, president of Russia. We'll see you next time. Thanks for subscribing. Be sure you don't miss a single minute from the future of radio. Subscribe to The Aaron Arnett Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at AaronArnett.show. And if you have comments or questions, send an email to AaronArnett at ProtonMail.com. Thanks for listening to The Aaron Arnett Show.